0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Kid Stays in the Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cooper, and joining me is...
1: Solomon Cooper, talker of the microphone.
0: What? (laughs) What? What? What are you even doing?
1: I... You know, because of the movie we were doing.
0: I don't understand. What was your name?
1: Solomon Cooper, talker of the microphone. Wow. I was going to be like the man who talks.
0: Well... We'll go ahead and tell people what the show's going to be about, and then I want you to try and explain what this exactly means. Okay. So, of course, we're going to be discussing, uh, unfortunately, this will be the last time you have to hear anything about it, but we will be discussing the finale of um, The Book of Boba Fett.
1: I didn't think it was that bad.
0: Uh, And then we will be discussing a movie that I'm really excited about, very happy that we got a chance to see this, um, Nightmare Alley.
1: Yeah. It's following um, our noir genre.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and it's new, so it's following yeah. our, you know, neo-noir uh, kind of pattern that we've been on for a little while. Mm-hmm. And just so everybody knows, you can watch this now on... HBO Max. HBO Max. So, again, free plugs for streaming services. But this movie, I don't know what it's like where everybody else lives, but uh, here the movie was only showing for about a week... Maybe less until it was like at, it would only show one time a day at the theater. You know, yeah. it was like it was that, like at a weird time, like yeah, three p.m. That would be like, like yeah, it would be at three p.m. or nine thirty, depending what theater you're looking at at night. Yeah, so we couldn't make that work. So I was really glad when they did put it on HBO Max. But anyway, so what does your name have to do with any of the things that we're discussing?
1: Okay, so you the the movie it's that's it's like at the beginning it's all like set places at a circus. So they're like the the, the electric lady. So I'm the man of the microphone. Oh, man. I think it's fun. I thought that was fun. I, I mean, was happy with that. I
0: would have thought you could have done like the amazing Solomon or Solomon the something. I yeah, don't know. The, the man who talks. That's not a skill who's going to come pay a circus. Well,
1: what am I supposed to say about my podcasting voice? The man who can speak. The
0: less said about it, the better.
1: The man who. Does a podcast with his dad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) None of these are like the kind of big grabby things that you want to get when you're at a circus. What
1: am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to have? I
0: gave you some examples. And so the amazing Solomon. Yeah. Or some solo The great Solomon. You're meaner than me. How am I mean? Not meanie like that. Like the great, I don't know, Zamboni or see,
1: mine s- is the best way we could do it because no. it gives. It's like talking as a talent.
0: You had time to prepare,
1: and this is what I came up with, and I'm happy with it.
0: Okay, well, it doesn't sound anything like something you'd hear at a circus.
1: I loved it. Well, I yeah, mean, it's not supposed to be exactly like a circus. Just a fun name that I thought up of.
0: No, thought of not uh, very. I think it's the worst one.
1: Really, I sometimes I just said my name.
0: That's better. If you don't have a joke then sometimes just saying your name is the best thing you can do.
1: I feel like that was great, and that was my joke. It wasn't even it had to be a joke. It was just a fun All name. All right, say it
0: again. Let me see if it worked. Say it like you did, like in that circus, in a circus peanut voice.
1: Solomon Cooper. Wait, what was it? Man of the microphone.
0: You, that sounds like a baseball sportscaster.
1: <laughs> Solomon Cooper, man of the microphone. Was that supposed to be the more circus-y? I guess.
0: I think we're going to have to move on past this.
1: Okay, well, let's go. I liked it. Um, so yeah, down below,
0: uh, you won't have to hear us talking about book of Boba Fett for ever again. I can 100% (laughs) promise that this shouldn't be a second season. I can't imagine. I think that their initial idea was to spin it off with those modern kids. Um, but yeah, let's just dive in and kind of get this, let's say out of the way. I mean, not that it's so terrible or anything. I feel like
1: there's definitely been worse episodes.
0: Um, so, yeah, this uh, this is the finale. All the cards are on the table. It's Boba Fett. is going to team up with, uh, you know, we Manu. assume Mando. Yeah. That all happens really quickly. The little Yoda baby shows up. His name is Grogu. Um, Yoda baby shows up really quickly, too. So, again, there's not really any suspense about who's going to show up as far as the main cast. Yeah. So I will say um, right off the bat that the episode did everything that I assumed it was going to do. You know, you had a bunch of really terrible, terribly choreographed uh fight scenes by Robert Rodriguez, who of course came back to direct the finale as I predicted. Um, and then of course, as everyone predicted, we did finally get to see um Boba Fett ride the Rancor, but it was basically anticlimactic at that point for me personally, because we all knew it was gonna come and there was no signposting it anywhere else in the show, so it just felt lame.
1: Yeah. It would have been cool if we could have seen him like learning how to ride it.
0: Yeah, there was, they never, other than they, it was like they introduced those two hut characters just so that they could give him a rancor, just so that the scene could exist instead of it naturally or being organic in the story. Yeah. They didn't even work it into the mission. You know what I mean? When they were coming up with their mission of what they were going to do to attack the pikes, they didn't even bring up, oh, and then we'll go over here with the rancor. So you kind of knew it was going to happen. Instead, they tried to use it like a big surprise. Yeah. And I just thought that that didn't work very well.
1: It was cool, though. it was like Godzilla they yeah. shot it like Godzilla.
0: It was really irritating to me because it was too much homage like they did the whole opening was like the opening of a Godzilla movie, right? yeah, to it was like point, a close
1: up it and it was like crawling over the building. It was cool,
0: yeah, and they were riffing on the Godzilla score mm-hmm. so much, so I'm surprised that they, they didn't end up like with a you know copyright infringement was suit not that similar. It was like really, really close, okay. Anyway, but then it just showed kind of a fundamental misunderstanding of of I don't know kaiju movies in general because first they introduced the rancor as a Godzilla figure clomping all over the roofs of you know what I mean the city yeah even though Boba Fett's riding him um, and then like at the end they try and turn him into King Kong and have him him be all sympathetic and he's like climbing up uh you know like the whatever most Espa version of the Empire State Building is.
1: It was so so much smaller than the Empire State Building.
0: But did you, they were obviously doing King Well, Kong. yeah,
1: obviously. Um, I obviously. <laughs> um, but he yeah. literally even, like, swings his arm out and is like... Vroom. I
0: was incredibly upset with a couple things. Um, I thought most of the action was pretty bad. Not as bad as it's been in other Robert Rodriguez episodes. There was some good action, mm-hmm. but every bit of action involving, uh, you know, black chrysanthemum and those modern kids. calling
1: blacks chrysanthemum. Whatever. People are going to think that that's, his, that's his name.
0: Uh, they can think what they want to think. Okay. Um, He's the big Wookiee mercenary the they big introduced. big black Wookiee. Yeah, and um, his name is like Black Crinston or something, but I can't remember what it is.
1: It doesn't really matter. It's like Chris... Chris yeah, so I can keep calling Chris, him Black Chrysanthemums. Chrysanthemums.
0: Anyway, he sucked. He didn't do anything cool. He just kept getting beat up or shot over and over again. And then those modder kids didn't do anything. Once again, they don't use their mods for anything. I don't understand what the purpose of them are. They they go get these mods voluntarily they make that very clear in the show yeah what do they do
1: i i i don't know they just shoot people with their tiny tiny little pistols
0: yeah but what what's the point of getting these mods i don't understand they
1: don't we don't know yeah they they're just they're they, just children they suck with guns all they
0: did was suck they sucked the whole show their aesthetic was terrible and then they really sucked in this finale where there's all these action set pieces um boba fett once again is made to look Pretty lame, especially in the beginning of the episode. Every single plan that he has, those little kids are like, "No, that's a dumb plan. We're gonna do this." And Boba's <laughs> like, "Okay, you're right." Like, there's one point where he literally they're in this bombed out building with no cover on any sides, and Boba's like, "We're gonna fall back to my fortress and regroup there, and we'll be safe." And then they can ha- they'll have to siege us, and the kids are like, "No, but this is our city. We stay and fight here." And he's like, "Okay." <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it's, just,
1: it's sad how right you are. But I feel like it was... The, the Yeah, the kids suck, though. They really do suck. They don't do anything ever. And They're just there to give bad advice.
0: And because they introduced Mando and Luke and Ahsoka and the child all in the last couple of episodes... Yeah. It made it to where this episode really needed to do something beyond just have him riding on a rancor to you know what i mean escalate the
1: and Cad Bane. yeah and said K- Bane.
0: and, T- and Cad cadbane yeah so the cadbane thing was really annoying to me because they have boba fett kill cadbane
1: that made me so angry that he just died to boba fett with a stick exactly and it would have been so much cooler i really wish they would have had him in mando and not in this me too because Echo would have been a str- because mando has way more of a western feel than this does this feels like just an off brand mandalorian to me.
0: It, um, it's the original Mandalorian though.
1: Yeah, I know, Dad. I and
0: know. I definitely would say that they're going this is this show is supposed to be a Western.
1: It is. They just did it worse. Yes. Yeah. They the the best episode were the two the two episodes without him and then the um Are you talking
0: about the two episodes without Robert
1: Rodriguez? No, the two episodes without Boba Fett, Fett which is I also the two episodes without Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Um I just said Robert Rodriguez. Whatever. Um and then the episode with the what are they called? Tuscan Raiders. Yeah, those are the only good episodes. But I got completely off topic. What was I even saying? Oh my gosh! You just you, you distracted me. I didn't.
0: How, how did I distract you? You were just rambling. Uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah Um, I just think it would have been so much cooler if Mando and them could have had like an awesome duel, and then like he lost, and then he like he shot him back. It would have been really cool.
0: I just don't want them to introduce Cad Bane just to kill him, right? I want to know that Cad Bane's around in the universe, just like you did in Clone Wars and Rebels, right? Yeah. Where he's always around and he could always show up and you're always really excited when he does because he's a great villain.
1: I agree. I also was really sad that they killed him at all. I literally was like, no, whenever he got stabbed. And I'm even more angry that Robert Rodriguez got to kill him and not someone cool like Jon Favreau.
0: Or Dave Filoni. Or
1: Dave Filoni.
0: Yeah, I'm sure Dave wasn't very happy about that. But you did notice when they go cut back to him that they very, especially watching it a second time with you they very obviously do have that heartbeat thing still beeping like over there now we don't know if that machine's a heartbeat thing but why would you have anything that's attached to a character's body be beeping in a similar heartbeaty way for no reason
1: yeah and they also just like zoomed in like they just like panned over to him and just like watched him for like 5 seconds so that kind of just implies that
0: yeah so Um, yeah, there's really nothing that interesting besides the Rancor thing that happens. I wasn't a big fan of the design of those giant robots. Yeah, they look like lamer version of Troikas.
1: I thought they were just big Troikas. I wasn't
0: very impressed with them. They didn't look very scary. I
1: thought they looked cool.
0: They were fine. I didn't love them.
1: Well, I thought they looked cool, Dad.
0: Okay. I didn't say... That's my opinion, and I want it. No one's trying to take your precious opinions away from you. Thank you. Um... (laughs) Anyway, so I just thought they weren't that cool. So there was not really anything that happens that's that big, right? Baby Yoda shows up. He seems to not have learned really anything from Luke except for how to put animals to sleep because he puts the rain to sleep at the end. Mm-hmm. And then he pulls, like, some kind of socket out of one of the robots. That but it's not it? even seem like he did it on purpose. Yeah,
1: he did. He did it on purpose. I mean, he
0: pulled it out on purpose, but it didn't seem like he purposely... T- chose that one part that he knew was really important. I'm
1: sure he did. He can only grab very small things. Why? He's not very strong. You
0: no, know, I feel like he should have learned a little bit more from Luke. He force-pulled something. He did more cool things in the first season of Mandalorian. He held a rhinoceros up. Yeah. Why couldn't he? And now he's gone and trained with Luke?
1: The rhinoceros is way lighter than the giant metal thing with a force field, so all he did was he went. he focused on the thing that he was taught. He focused...
0: And then he pulled right, out a, like a carburetor. Pulled, and he
1: pulled out the socket, and then his whole his legs collapsed. He kept fighting though. He and stood back up. It's really funny because he went, he got he, he pulled it out, and he went, because it hit him in the stomach. Oh, ha 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 ha! Also, Baby Yoda walking is so funny. He looks hilarious. He like waddles about. They're gonna have
0: it. to get to a point where they can do him though, not as an infant. It's starting to feel a little bit silly. Especially whenever Luke makes and make that big decision, and if they keep showing him as an infant, it makes it where Luke just seems like the worst babysitter in the world.
1: He's not an infant; he's a toddler. Either way,
0: do you ask toddlers to make giant decisions that will change the rest of their life? Exactly. So, arrest my case. Anyway, look, uh, there was some really great episodes in the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, unfortunately, almost all of them didn't have Boba Fett in them. Mm-hmm. Um, there were like the teasers for the new season of Mandalorian. I am very upset with how they ended this Boba Fett show um, in the sense that it was a pretty not well thought out finale that didn't go anywhere. By the way, that's the other thing. It goes nowhere. You didn't get to see the post credit scene, but there is a post credit scene um, that shows someone is in his uh, Boba Fett's back to tank. Oh, yeah, and so I was thinking it was gonna be Cad Bane because if you anybody who watched any of the animated shows, Cad Bane basically taught Boba Fett how to be a bounty hunter. Yeah, right. He took him into his group whenever he was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe he would have felt bad about stabbing him. So it was gonna be Cad Bane, but no. In a weird move, I'm not gonna call it a twist. Because it was so anticlimactic. It was Cobb Vanth.
1: Oh, well, that's good.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what my reaction was. It's like, oh, well, I mean, that's good. I like that guy, but why? Like, what's the purpose of that? that That's your big post-credits reveal? We yeah. didn't even know that Pop, Cobb Vance was for sure dead.
1: I didn't think he was dead. It
0: looked like he got shot in the shoulder.
1: Well, that's sad. Um, Yeah, the show didn't really... Like, I feel like if you're going to watch it, just watch the the two episodes right before the finale.
0: Yeah, and then if you want to watch the finale for craps and giggles then go ahead yeah but yeah like there's even a scene towards the end of the episode where um but what turns to like Finnick and is like oh we're not really good at this you know running a town thing we should be out in space and she's like well if we're not going to do it then who's going to do it and he basically like gestures over and the camera pans over to all those modern kids and black chrysanthemum
1: Oh, yeah, the modders get a run, all of Mos Espa.
0: Yeah, so it seemed like the show was just setting it up for basically Finnick and uh, Boba to just bounce out into space, and they can just kind of be, you know, around in the universe, ready to show up for episodes that they need to, which really makes this show make even less sense for why it even exists. I don't—it un- seems like the entire show exists just because Robert Rodriguez thought it would be cool to have Boba Fett writer Rancor.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: I can't see any other thing. They but could yeah. have
1: added those other episodes into another into yeah. Mando. So I anyway, don't understand
0: that's over. Thank God. Um, yeah, we need to take a quick break. Have a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back.
1: I like those finger guns, Dad.
0: Yeah, well, you weren't saying your lines, so I mean, I'm supposed to point at you, and you're supposed to take take a break.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right.
0: Welcome back to the kids Stays in the Podcast, and now for the moment you've been waiting for. Solomon and I are going to be discussing something no, great. Yeah. Not, not Book of Boba Fett anymore.
1: We don't want to do that to ourselves. We're uh, tired. So, so yeah, why don't you
0: give us a quick introduction to this
1: movie? An introduction? Why can't, why are you just, tra- is, can I do a plot synopsis?
0: Well, you got to tell us what the movie is, who stars in it, who made it. Come on, basic. Why do well, I have mo- to do
1: that? That's your job. The,
0: introduce us to the movie. Give us an Introduction. Introduction to the movie. I
1: don't know how to say his
0: name. Oh, my God. Anyway, we're going to be talking about Nightmare Alley, Guillermo de Toro's latest movie. How do
1: you say that? Guillermo de Toro's.
0: Guillermo de Toro's? Yeah. Oof, embarrassing.
1: How do you say it? G- Guillermo
0: de Toro. Stop making it say his name over and over again. You're going to end up making me forget how to say it. All right. Anyway, this movie stars Bradley Cooper and, honestly, a who's who of folks who have been in Guillermo del Toro's past movies. You have uh, Ron Perlman, who has been in, I think, with Guillermo del Toro from the beginning, because I believe he was in Chronos which is, was one of his very first movies.
1: I've never seen that
0: um, or heard of it. You have uh, Rooney Mara, I think first time in a Guillermo del Toro movie. Kate uh, Blanchett. I mean, honestly, this cast is is stacked. Yeah. Uh, what are you pointing at me for? I can't think of his name. What's well, the podcast? And nobody can see you pointing at the ceiling and not doing anything.
1: Green Goblin.
0: That's not his name.
1: I know that's not his name, Dad. Well, what's his name?
0: You brought him up, so you better say his name.
1: Say his name for me. Professionally,
0: you're gonna bring somebody up. You should know their name.
1: You don't know his name, do you? I didn't bring him up. But do you not know w- his name? Why
0: would I bring something up that I don't know about? Uh,
1: I have just. It seems just, really dumb to me. I just said Green Goblin because you're the you're like the knower of all things.
0: It's Willem Dafoe.
1: Mm, you didn't know his name. It's so funny.
0: Knew his name. Knew it immediately. Just all all these
1: people watching the podcast, they saw what you did.
0: Mm, no. They saw. I was texting my grandmother. <laughs> She's <laughs> in ill health.
1: Okay. <laughs> That's. Not something we can joke about.
0: Anyway, like I said, this is something I've I've been looking forward to seeing for a long time. I'm not sure how excited or not Solomon was for it, but I was really upset when the theaters here just did not give it a very fair shake. So I would have loved to see it at the theater. I think this movie was absolutely gorgeous. One of the most gorgeous movies that Guillermo del Toro has ever made, and he's made a lot. But yeah, before we get into that, why don't you give us a quick plot synopsis? And this Audience is going to be the worst,
1: Dad. It's not going to be bad. Actually, I really don't know how to do this because there's like (laughs) the first thirty minutes are completely separate from like the next two hours. You could
0: just go a plot synopsis, two or three sentences that covers the, you know, the basic plot of the movie, basic story. What's a
1: What's a man of the of the circus called?
0: What's a man of the circus called? A circus man. I don't know. A carny.
1: Yeah, Carney. So a Carney learns like it's not hypnosis. Oof, this is mind tough. like mind reading, but it's all sleight of hand ish. So basically he starts thinking he starts believing in his own powers and gets too big for his britches. Alright.
0: Close. I probably would have said, um, you know, A mysterious figure running away and joins a circus to escape from some kind of past misdeeds. We don't really know what at the very beginning. We get an idea that involves fire and a dead body. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yes, when he joins the circus, he ends up learning how to do some of these tricks that make it seem like you can read people's minds. And he becomes very good at it. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, kind of a rise and fall the hubris of man kind of movie. It's really good, though. Um, so good. Yeah, I mean, that kind of gets us to the basic, uh, the basic, you know, the plot of the movie. I would say that he starts to believe his own powers is not exactly right.
1: Yeah, he. well, the guy says he's like, don't do this too much or you'll get too, you'll believe it.
0: Yeah, I think that what he, I think what he was trying to say was don't, um, don't, don't ever let it, you think that you're like actually kind of intuitive or you can just read people so well. Cause I don't think he ever thought he was magic. I think when he started getting so cocky, it was, he would sometimes just say stuff without making sure that he had
1: the evidence,
0: the evidence. Yeah. Cause just so you know, for, um, like it, we always say, this is a full spoiler podcast, so there's going to be full spoilers so we can discuss the movie properly. Um. But the the essential trick is that the magicians, or not magician, what do you say, the fortune teller or whatever, yeah, Yeah, their assistant who is standing out in the audience is always, they're communicating with each other with very subtle hand signals that each mean a very specific thing.
1: Yeah, and they also use their, like, they also use words. So, like, certain letters at the beginning of each word in the sentence helps, like, define each different thing.
0: Yeah, and it would be like the way that they introduce them, right? If they introduce them and they say, oh, this is Mary Jane, you know what I mean? From whatever. If she says, this is Mary Jane, that might mean something. And if she says, you know, that is Mary Jane.
1: (laughs) Okay, Dad, (laughs) that that was such a bad example.
0: (laughs) I couldn't, uh, I shouldn't have. uh,
1: Like, this is this young lady with a handbag. Or it was
0: like, oh yeah, that'd be it. Yeah, you you'd say like, yeah, this young lady with a yellow dress on. And if you said the color of their dress, then that would mean you know what I mean. It was something to do with their mother. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, there's a whole. That was the point. So if he wasn't sometimes, if the if his assistant didn't know um, something about the person, and so he wasn't getting the signal he needed, he would just he just started like riffing anyway. And he was so good at it that it actually was working. Yeah. Right. Because he could, he actually could read people really well just naturally as a con man. Mm-hmm. So Solomon mentioned earlier that the first like half hour or so of this movie is pretty much a completely different movie from the back three quarters.
1: Yeah. And I, I loved it so much. I kind of liked the first 30 minutes more than I liked the rest of the movie. Not saying that the rest of the movie wasn't good. I liked no, the rest
0: I, of the I. Would totally agree with that. What was it that you really liked about that first 30 minutes?
1: I just loved the environment and just how everyone interacted with each other. And, like, the direction was so great that everyone is it felt, – it felt, like, very dark. And the cinematography made me want to just mm, – mm, it was so good. Like, there was this awesome shot of, like, a like – a, was it a Ferris wheel or something? Yeah. It was, like, a Ferris wheel in the fog – and it was, like, glowing. And it was, like, just offset to the left, like, following the rule of thirds. Mm, it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. But I just loved, like, I loved the, the the tone. It just felt so, like, gritty and dark and felt very noir. Like, he, like, leans up against a lamppost and, like, smokes a cigarette. And it was, like, you said while we were watching it, it was, like, if this was a poster, it would just be noir at the top.
0: Yeah, I mean, they really, really leaned into that. Um, yeah. And so... Uh, Dan Lawson did the cinematography, and he's worked with Guillermo del Toro before, if I'm not mistaken, um, on his last movie. I, I could be wrong about that. But, yeah, I think that everything he did was af- astonishing. What did you think about um, the the score? I, I'm not really familiar with Nathan and Johnson's work, who did the music in this movie. Um, but, yeah, what, what did you think about what Mr. Johnson was able to pull off?
1: I mean, Mr. Johnson. <laughs> well, um... I don't want
0: to call him Nathan. Like we're BFFs.
1: I think you're on a first name basis with Nathan.
0: So, yeah. But anyway, yeah. What do you think about the music?
1: Um, I think it was great. It added, it helped to, it just added a lot to the movie. I think music is very important, uh, in all movies. Cause I just love music. Cause I'm a, I'm a music man myself. Um, I thought you were a man of talking. I am a man of talking also, but I also like music. Um, and it just added so much depth and like just even more to the tone of the movie.
0: Yeah, I think that the first thirty minutes, um, yeah, you get it, you get all of that, right? You're getting cinematography, you're getting that, you're getting an idea what the music, um, musical themes are going to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, for the rest of the film, um, but I would definitely say that I, I I wouldn't say that it seems like Guillermo del Toro loses interest in the rest of the movie at all i don't think that's true but i would say as far as the set design and all that stuff mm-hmm. which is impeccable throughout but boy is it amazing those first 30 minutes of the circus Dude,
1: it's so good like they have like a full-on like working animatronics in like this tiny little circus fair and it was like let's see your sins of the devil and you'd like walk through and like the mouth would open in front of his face. Yeah.
0: It it was that um Del Toro's really, really good at this, and I just thought that this this circus thing was like such a perfect example. It's not realistic for what you would actually see at a circus in the thirties, right? They, yeah. It would it would be much more basic than that and more run down. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh from the electric lady, like her show with the electricity sparks and everything. That wouldn't be looking like that. You know yeah. what I mean? It would have mm-hmm. just been a lady sitting in a wooden chair shaking. Yeah. And that big devil mouth that was in like the haunted, what are your seven deadly sins, you know what I mean, thing. It wouldn't have been a giant animatronic-y mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would have been, been like a
1: cardboard.
0: It would have exa- literally, it would have been a cardboard thing with a flap on it. Yeah. But what he does a great job at is creating a space that looks like, like what you would think a circus in the 30s would look like based on like not not really your memories but kind of based on what the memories would have been like as they were passed down if that makes any sense yeah like if you were to go to a circus in the 30s when you were three and it traumatized you going into the big devil mouth that was just a cardboard thing whenever you're telling their kids and they're telling their kids and they're telling their kids so it's kind of like a seventh, eight hand story version that's now been bigged up in your imagination. Yeah. But it still looks grimy. You know, that's the devil mouth still was creaky and it was grind. You know what I mean? There's rust yeah, on it. It
1: still gave you an idea that like, this is old and this is like a right. rundown area, but it looks like high budget. But yeah. It's not.
0: But does it, do, does it make sense what I'm saying? Like it yeah, feels I like. I know the, exactly like, what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: Right? I think that's a, a great way to describe it.
0: Um, but yeah. And then that was just like those big set pieces, but you still had like the backstage with, um, Willem Dafoe's character, I cannot remember the character's name, but he kind of runs the circus, right?
1: Dude, I love him so much. Like, he did such a great job, like, kind of, like, mentoring him and teaching him all the things that are, like, how the circus works and how it's running.
0: And, and the movie's not judging the circus people, even though everything that they're doing is kind of bad. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Willem Dafoe's character who, like, teaches him how they get the geeks in. And so for people who don't know what a circus geek is... Uh, Solomon, do you want to like, just, do you want
1: to, I want to say what basically what uh, Willem Dafoe does? Uh,
0: yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say it. It sounds better coming from a, from a child.
1: What? Okay. I'll try it. So I don't know what, or like what they're so, yeah, it's like they make them crazy.
0: Don't, don't go through the whole process first. Just tell them what the, what is What a circus geek does.
1: What is a circus geek? They what? What is it? Yes, it's just like a, a some old dude. What do they do? What's their show? They do a lot of things. They can do. They they will do anything. They can like they'll eat chickens alive. That's the main thing that you need to. That's what say. they usually do. And like every yes. single circus geek just eats chickens they alive.
0: They bite their heads off and drink their
1: blood. Every single circus geek does that. Yes, that's awful. That's like I mean, it's the main thing that they do. That is the worst thing ever. I did not know that. That's what all of them do. I thought that just what this one did. No. That's gross.
0: We had a whole conversation about Circus Geeks before you even saw the movie, I'm very disappointed in how much you retained.
1: I just didn't think that. Now all I know what it's like to
0: be ge- your history teacher.
1: My, I have a great grade in AP World History. I'll have you know.
0: Now I know what it's like to be your English teacher. Okay, Dad. Constantly disappointed.
1: Okay. Just because <laughs> I.
0: Anyway, so the Circus Geeks. Um, how how so? How do they make these people so depraved that they want that they're willing to night after night. Bite chicken heads off. Nobody else in the circus has to do that.
1: Uh, basically, what they do is they find a man in the darkest place they can be. Oh, my gosh. Drunk, drugged up, everything. They're the opposite of sober. They're dying inside. They're losing their will.
0: You're running out of time to finish this explanation <laughs> of geeks. I'm just saying we have to take a break in like 45 seconds. Doesn't
1: matter. Eventually, they find them and they say, "Hey, look, man, I got a job for you. It's not permanent. I promise. It. Oh, we just we'll we'll just wait till we get a real geek in. All right, it'll be fine." And they put a little bit of a drug in there. Opium. Opium. That's what I thought. They put some opium in there, and then eventually they get addicted, and. Once they're like, all right, we it's time to get a real geek. And they're like, no, 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 no. It's fine. I can be the geek. And
0: they're like, okay. That was the world's longest explanation of that they, all you had to say was they get them hooked on drugs. That took five seconds. Welcome back to the Kids Days in the podcast and our wrap-up and overview of Nightmare Alley, which honestly could have talked about for quite a bit longer. This yeah, kind of feels like whenever we, t- we did a discussion of Dune and. I think the same thing happened. We talked had to talk about something else stupid beforehand. Yeah. And, any, any dune time.
1: Um, I but think yeah, we talked so about the antlers.
0: Before the break, Solomon was going, uh, told everybody what a circus geek was. That's actually a pretty important part of the story. Um, it does show you the, the evil side of the carny lifestyle. It's not all fun and games. Some old man's in a cage getting turned into a drug addict, so we'll bite <laughs> off some chicken heads.
1: Yep. And
0: Willem Dafoe is like the one who's doing that. Yeah, it is illegal. Um, it doesn't make the cops, though, that are coming in look very good, though, because it seems like they're just kind of douchebags. They're like the morality police. So it is kind of a weird thing because you don't want them to get caught. Even But what you're not wanting to get caught is literally enslaving somebody with drug addiction. Um, but then the cops are also rude to everybody else, so then it makes it seem like they're just being the morality police. Yeah. Remember, they make that lady. They arrest try to arrest the electricity lady because she's dressed indecently.
1: Yes, I do remember that.
0: Um so yeah, uh moving on from that last 30 minutes, I'm going to kind of rush through the next bit of this movie just plot-wise. Um essentially uh Rooney Mara's character who was the electric lady who he said he was in love with, she can he convinces her to move away from the circus and they're going to start their own act and they basically steal all of the ideas um from this older man who became his mentor who was a you know amazing magician but at this point had succumbed to alcoholism and you know was just basically passing out every day yeah by the way that uh that character is played by david stratham and i honestly think he hands down walks away with that movie i thought he was so good
1: he is great I, I have to. i mean i agree with you i don't know if he walks away with the movie
0: well, he's he isn't in the movie for very long, right after the first like half hour or so. Yeah. But yeah, he plays Pete who um kind of becomes Bradley Cooper's character's mentor and um he's just great.
1: He's really good. He he's so good. I really enjoyed him and I liked watching him.
0: Um and then Ron Perlman plays as a strong man who is Basically promised Rooney Mara's dad that she would, he would look after her, but he's not really in the movie after the first 30 minutes either. So anyway, you're going to have to watch the movie to see this insane cast of characters that they have populating the circus. It is astonishing. Yeah. But then the movie moves and becomes, I guess you could say, a little bit smaller. Um, well, if you're going to start off with an in-depth look of the circus, at the circus, kind of anything you do for your next act is going to inevitably be a little bit less... Maybe interesting is too strong of a word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Colorful. So, cut to Bradley Cooper and Rooney Mara now are doing this show, but for wealthy people. Mm. They're in fancy hotels. They're in ballrooms. They have the upper crust of society fooled into thinking that they are actual mediums, you know. Um, And time and time again, Pete, his mentor, and... All the other people who did illusions, fortune tellers, whatever, they always told him never, ever do what they call spook shows, which essentially don't ever do that thing where you tell people that you're talking to their dead loved ones. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like they think it's wrong and it always backfires because people get too emotional and evolved if you do that. But Bradley Cooper sees that's a great way to make some cha-ching.
1: Easy cash, man.
0: So he decides that he's going to start conning the wealthiest of the wealthy, like, you know, the Supreme Court judges, and the presidents and the governors. Um, yeah. He's going to start conning them. And as you can imagine, he starts getting in well over his head, um, putting his relationship at risk. Um, by the way, through all this, I think Bradley Cooper gives a really good performance, but he's just surrounded by so many people who are more, eclectic than him that I feel like he kind of gets buried inside of his own movie performance wise. Plus it's a Guillermo del Toro movie. So even though we're not in the circus anymore, it's still gorgeous. You know, you have big Gothic mansions with mist, Yeah, you know, streetlights reflecting on the, uh, you know, the rain on the sidewalk. I love,
1: I love fog. <laughs> it just looks so good. I'd love it so much.
0: Oh, well maybe we should watch the movie, the fog. That's not, See how much you love uh, didn't fog. Didn't I watch right? a
1: movie called The Mist, which is basically the fog?
0: Not, No, they're different. But yeah, yeah,
1: but a, a mist is a fog. Uh, sure. So I basically watched The Fog.
0: Um, I'm glad you decided to get into an argument about that in the middle of this. I was going to ask you, though, so um, around this time in the movie is when Bradley Cooper uh, meets what or who will actually become his demise even before his hubris can get him there, and that is a character named Lilith played by Kate Blanchett. Mhm. Um so right off the bat, you know something's off with her, right? Because her name is Lilith.
1: I didn't know that you did. Um because you said like her name means like succubus lady or something.
0: Not exactly, but Lilith is like a famous demon. Yeah. Um a famous demon. Yeah. <laughs> but a well-known mythological demon, demonic n- up to no good person also the name of Fraser's ex-wife. Yeah. Yeah, so why don't you tell us like a little bit how how does Lilith um like thematically factor in and what kind of things does she do? Like how does she factor into this into this plot?
1: How does she factor into the plot? Yeah, like what is what
0: is what is Lilith doing and like what is what are the parts of Bradley Cooper's character that kind of um she's e- exploiting if you will or whatever to
1: she does a lot of things. She, um.
0: What's her profession, first of all?
1: She's a, like a therapist. She's a psych- psychologist. psychologist. Yeah. I know. See me? See me with my big brain?
0: I uh, your big brain just keeps going?
1: Okay. Um, so she's a psychologist. And, um, so yeah, that obviously is. It's like the scientific version of what he does. Um, so what she does is she, like, really. Buys into his arrogance and, like, how confident he is. And she
0: buys into it or plays into it?
1: Whatever. I, that's the same thing.
0: Those are not the same You're things.
1: You're right. Buying into it means, like, they're falling for it. Right. Playing into it.
0: Means they're faking like they're falling for it. Yeah.
1: Sorry. My bad. My B. On accident. Um. I felt like buying was, like, paying money. So that's
0: how I... Uh, that is what buying is. Yeah. See, this is what happens every time you start talking. <laughs>
1: Okay. So she starts playing into his arrogance and he also she also starts like bringing up his past and like what his father was like and um
0: Yeah, cuz throughout the whole movie he's very adamant about the fact that he doesn't drink. And you yeah. and you very you can tell and she calls him out for it. That the the way he says it is that it's something that he wants people to know that he adamantly doesn't do and he's also is something he's proud that he doesn't do. Yeah,
1: he's like, "Oh, I I never drink." Yeah, I would never drink. Exactly. Um
0: which is not a normal thing to do when someone just offers you a drink if you just don't drink or if you're sober now or whatever. Yeah, you just
1: be like no thanks. Yeah. Um so yeah. And um basically she, she just like is constantly there like helping him but like also giving him these like uh not lessons, sessions. And um, like being like, oh, what's going on with this? And you're like, oh, there's that word again. Never, never drink. Why are you never drinking?
0: And he, and she's always trying to get him to drink. Yeah. And then eventually he does.
1: Yeah. Like he, she starts drinking and then, well, he starts doing some cheating. Um, So she like starts kissing him with like the, what is it? Scotch whiskey. Yeah. Whiskey on her breath. Starts getting him addicted to it slowly. Um, And then he gets, starts drinking.
0: And, then, and notice the parallel there. Between the geeks.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That'll come into play soon.
0: Yeah, but thematically though, I didn't actually think about that fact that she was basically geeking him, but he thought he was too smart to be the old hobo yeah. that they give opium to that turns into a geek. But she's actually doing the same thing, just intellectually using psychology. Because the idea is that she, act- she makes him think that she finds him really smart and interesting. But as she's just slowly playing him up to his ego, you know, playing up to his ego, she's trying to get him to fall off the cliff before he normally would. He probably would have just kept doing this gig, maybe getting busted every once in a while for years and years and become very wealthy. Yeah. And then by the time he made this big giant blunder, he he would have been fine. He would have recovered from it. So mm-hmm. what she does is she tries to accelerate his fall to where there's no coming back from it.
1: Yeah. We also kind of forgot about something. We forgot that, like, during the show like Lilith is is in like one of his shows and he starts like doing f- like predictions for her.
0: I don't mean we're not we don't have to we're not going through the whole plot. Yeah, I know, detail, but that's right kind detail. of important. I think the most important thing that we know is the reason that he starts working with Lilith is because she is a town psychologist. She has access to, to every single person's most intimate secrets, things that they would never be able to find out on their own, which he believes if she will give him the information, which she does, he can use that information to fleece these incredibly
1: wealthy wealthy people
0: yeah but he ends up um he ends up with somebody who is already a kind of unstable known violent very wealthy like billionaire yeah who wants to see his former lover who he like sent away um which that character was oh, they were not a nice person but that was uh they were played by Richard Jenkins who's uh he was in Shape of Water. Um, he's been in a ton of things, but he's normally a really nice, sweet guy. Yeah, and in this, he's like a pretty horrendous, crazy person. Crazy person.
1: He's really cool though, and he did a really great job. Um, and you, I kind of like you, kind of have some a little bit of sympathy for him. Yeah, yeah. Cause his then his his wife died. He sent lover, her. Wife. He sent her away. I thought she died
0: she died because he sent her away because his family was scandalized that he'd gotten someone pregnant. So he sent her away and then she had a miscarriage and died. Yeah. Uh, okay. that detail doesn't really matter, but anyway, so that's really all. I don't really want to go into full spoiler full on. I mean, we already have spoiled a lot, but I don't want to go full on into like telling everybody, every detail of what happened in the end. Cause I don't actually think that's necessary for wanting to see the movie or it's not something we need to discuss. Yeah. Um, But if anybody's seen a film noir, it's very elliptical. Also, we should have mentioned this at the – actually, at the front. This this is a remake, Nightmare Alley is, of a cult classic uh, noir movie that I really want to see. I've only seen bits and pieces of it in film school. Um, Yeah, the original Nightmare Alley. And then the original Nightmare Alley, they don't make the main character nearly as sympathetic as they tried to have Bradley Cooper make him. He's pretty much a scumbag that you know is a scumbag from the beginning. Oh, well – but yeah, just a great movie. It's just it's it's gorgeous, incredibly well acted. It is a kind of long. It's two and a half hours, but I think it goes by really yeah, quickly. Yeah,
1: it, it went, it flew by, and especially because it's like kind of separated into like chapters in your head. Right. So it it really only feels like a, like an hour, honestly. Yeah. And you could you could easily probably like take breaks if you're that. And now that kind I'm thinking person. about
0: it, that one of the great things about the movie it's so elliptical, because. So I just now put together the dots about, like, what Lilith was doing with him, which made me feel kind of silly because it's pretty obvious, right, that she's geeking him. Yeah. But if you think about it, the whole movie is that. The entire movie is, right? So the beginning, he thinks he's in control of his drinking or whatever, but he's slowly getting enticed by the carny lifestyle, the beginning part. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he just keeps slowly getting more and more and more until he's, you know, addicted to whatever thing, the power, the whatever. Oh, Yeah. So, yeah, the way that you create a geek is like a kind of, uh, yeah, it's, that's a theme it's throughout everything. the entire movie. So, yeah, gorgeous movie. This score is absolutely fantastic as well. I really actually would want to see if I can get a, a copy of it on vinyl. I just really would love to turn that on during put, parties.
1: Put it on on our Star Wars record player. <laughs> it not
0: like you said a rector player. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what it sounded like. It's not my fault that you didn't speak very clearly.
1: Doesn't, doesn't speak very clearly. Um,
0: well, before we go, we're running out of time. What would you, how do you want to, how do you want to rate this movie? What would you give it?
1: 10. Actually, should I give it a 10? You know what? Yeah. I'm going to give it a 10 because I loved it. Okay. And I don't care about being like, well, this was wrong and this was wrong. I'm going to give it what I feel.
0: That's fine. No one ever has told you not to.
1: I know, but I'm just thinking about it and I feel like people are judgmental. 10 out of 10 drunken men. Whoa. <laughs> what?
0: Not very sharp on, or quick on your feet. I was just... I almost said sharp on your feet, so apparently I'm not either. Yeah, you know what? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty close to there with you. I would give it, uh, I'll say, 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10 chicken heads.
1: Ugh, gross.
0: Yeah, well, at least that's more...
1: Drunken men.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you saying that for? That's so creepy. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks for joining us for this uh, week's episode of The Kid Stays in the Podcast. Can't wait to share our show with you next week. It's going to be very exciting. We're going to only be talking about um, really crappy movies. No, no, that's not true.
1: That's not true.
0: It's not true. Sorry. Don't
1: be rude. Anyway, take us out. I love you guys. Um, follow us on Kid in the Pick on Instagram. And
0: on RoguenediaNetwork.com. Bye. Till next time.
1: Make sure you subscribe. Follow us on Kid Stays in the Picture on Instagram, or follow us on roguemedia.network.com.
0: This has been a Rogue Media podcast.